Please join me in prayer. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts always be acceptable in thy sight. For thou art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Alleluia! The Lord is still risen. (laughs) Alleluia! We continue here during the Easter season, right? We are in a season. Remember, Easter doesn't end with Easter Day, but goes on for 40 days to the Ascension. And the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Easter Sunday is about the reality of the glorious event that changed history and changed the world, that Jesus truly died and was truly raised from the dead. Now, both Easter Day and subsequent Sundays in our lectionary, in our Easter season, are all about how the risen Lord Jesus comes to his followers, each in his own way. And I think this is a really important point to grasp. For, of course, it's a wonderful cosmic event that Jesus rose from the dead. But in these passages, we see Jesus personally coming to each person. How many of you have a a favorite place that you go where somebody knows your name? Do you have a restaurant or, you know, maybe a a bar or, um, or here? Yeah, hopefully here, yeah. Hopefully at church. That's good, too. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be recognized? To be personally encountered by someone? I was at one of my favorite restaurants yesterday, and, uh, and uh, there's a, a waitress there named Kelly. And we've been going there. My wife and I have been going there since we were married, but we haven't been in a while since the children. And she says, oh, hi, Sean. I mean, that, that just changed the whole morning for me the fact that she knew who I was and personally recognized me. Well, on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, rather, in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 28, Jesus meets Mary Magdalene and the other Mary in the garden to behold him. They expect to anoint a corpse, but there Jesus stands, wonderfully in front of them and wonderfully alive, In last week's Gospel, in John chapter 20, verse 24, the risen Christ came to the disciples who are huddled in a locked room, and they hide in fear. But the resurrected Jesus brings them joy. Thomas was doubtful and forlorn, but the resurrected Christ provides Thomas personally with exactly what he needed to believe and be transformed in awe. The main point of these readings following Easter Sunday and the successive Sundays is indeed that Christ is risen from the dead, has still risen from the dead, and that the resurrection has changed our life. And so they ask us the question as Christians, and perhaps those who are not yet Christians, how has the resurrection impacted you? How has the resurrection changed your life? How does it continue to do so? 
You see, Jesus' resurrection is that cosmic event, that reality that changed everything, as I first said. And no one has ever risen from the dead to never die again. But Jesus, so what? Or so what now? What do you believe and say? How is this more than just a once a year ritual that we observe together? Well, in the Easter canticle, um, known as the Pascha Nostrum, which is in our prayer book on page 16, both Christ's eternal event in the resurrection, being raised from the dead, and a personal reaction come together. I thought I brought a prayer book over here. Where is it? Here it is. If you have a prayer book, which you should, open to page 16 with me so that you can see. Here we have this cosmic event celebrated and then a personal reaction coupled to it. If you're open, read it with me jubilantly. We read it in our confirmation class this morning. Alleluia! Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Alleluia! Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. The death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Alleluia! Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Alleluia! And you can see there that that's composed of Scripture from 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Romans. But notice what's coupled together. There's the cosmic statement, the cosmic event, in fact, and then the personal response. He's been risen from the dead. Therefore, so what? Let us celebrate, right? With the, with, the un, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And it goes on and on. But my point to you here is that this changes everything. Not just because of the cosmic event, but because of a personal encounter with Christ. And now look with me at today's Gospel where we see that theme continued in John chapter 24. I'm sorry, in Luke rather. Chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24. It's in your scripture insert, or if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke 24, verse 13. Jesus comes to Cleopas and the unnamed disciple personally as they're on their road the way to Emmaus, a small town outside of Jerusalem. And they don't realize what's happened. The cosmic event has happened and in fact, they even heard of it, right? They say the women went there and found the tomb empty, and yet they still don't grasp what's going on here in Jesus' life. They're sad and despondent. Why would they be sad and despondent? Because they think he's dead. 
they're blinded to the fact that he's alive, aren't they? The hope of the resurrection is not yet in their minds. Look at verse 15 through 21 particularly. While they were walking, while they were talking rather, and discussing together, Jesus drew himself, drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Stop there. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Do you see the resurrection that they know about now from the empty tomb hasn't touched their hearts. It's only maybe even started to enter their minds. Cleopas, actually, if you read between the lines there, is almost annoyed with Jesus. Are you the only one that hasn't heard these things? Do you see that? I can identify with that a little bit. I'm busy mourning. Leave me alone. And yet it's Jesus, the risen Lord, standing right beside him. Verse 21 underlines that heart of disappointment, that they had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But ironically, look at the very next part of the verse. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have have happened. Well, there's some great irony in that, isn't there? For what happens on the third day, according to what Jesus has told them, that he would rise from the dead. What's even more amazing is that these disciples knew, as I said, that the women had found the tomb empty and they still can't accept the reality of the resurrection. Nevertheless, Jesus is patient with them. He walks with them. He talks with them. He explains scripture to them the entire way to town, but they still don't know him. And you know the rest of the story. It's one of the best and most compelling in the Bible that Jesus leads them through those scriptures from Moses on, we're told, and they gather around the table in the town and in the breaking of the bread, their eyes are open. They recognize just who this man was. Look at verse 29. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Just like the Marys on Easter Sunday and the Apostles last week, and St. Thomas last week, the reality of Jesus' resurrection 
has changed everything cosmically, but it has not yet changed who they are. It has not yet changed them personally. And here in this passage, Jesus comes to them personally, saying, believe in me. Believe in me in my resurrection. Change who you are. See who I want you to be. Cleopas and the other disciple couldn't even see who he was, let alone who he wanted them to be. But his intervention in their lives made all the difference to them. What changed them? Most basically here. What changed them? The presence of the Lord Jesus. The presence of the Lord Jesus. Not to know about Jesus. Not to have heard things from the women or even the disciples that had ran to the tomb. But the personal presence of the risen Christ changes everything for them. Look at verse 27. Where is the presence of the Lord? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Number one, it's in the scriptures. The presence of the Lord comes to us in the Scriptures. And number two, look at verse 30. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then again in 35, they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The presence of the Lord comes to them in the sacrament in the bread broken, in the taking, the breaking, the giving of the bread to them. Jesus is present with them, bringing that cosmic earth-shattering reality personally to them. It changes everything. What's their reaction to it? Do they just say, okay, that's great, I'm going to go to bed now, I'm tired, it's been a really long walk? No. In the middle of the night, they get up and they run back to the apostles. They can't believe it. They can't wait to share the good news of who they've encountered personally. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. In a, we see this same pattern presented to us again in what was our first reading from the book of Acts with St. Peter the Apostle. If you have your Bibles with you open to Acts Chapter 2, verse 14. Open to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And you'll notice that our lectionary reading skips a bunch of verses between verse 14a and 36. It's not because the lectionary is saying those things aren't worth reading. That's not the point. What it's saying is that there is something here topically that we want to focus on. But in, in this section, what does Peter do between verse 14 and verse 36 in Acts chapter 2? What's there, those of you that have your Bibles open? What's he saying? What's going on? He quotes the Old Testament again and again. What is Peter doing here? He's explaining from the Scriptures in a sermon to them, who it is that Jesus is, 
who it is that Jesus is. He's imitating the risen Lord here on the road to Emmaus. Peter has been transformed. This is not the same Peter who denies Christ in the courtyard. This is the Peter empowered by the Holy Spirit following, imitating, using the example of Jesus Christ to mold his life and to bring God glory. Do you see that? Peter then opens the gateway of the kingdom of God to some 3,000 people because of that obedience. God uses him. Look at verse 37 and 38. Now when they had heard this, that is, the sermon exposing the Scriptures, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Again, where is the presence of Christ in this passage? In the preaching of the Word and the study of the Word and in the sacrament. Baptism this time, instead of Holy Communion. What are they to do? Repent and be baptized. Invite the presence of Jesus Christ into their lives. Into their lives. Personally encounter Him. And they do. About 3,000 of them. You know, there's many things in the Scriptures today. It could be a very lengthy sermon. Maybe some of you think it already has been. But I want to point out these three things. Number one, that the presence of God changes people forever. When people encounter the real Jesus Christ, it changes them forever. Number two, that the Lord Jesus gives himself in himself a model of word and sacrament. Do you want to, be, do you want to have the presence of Christ with you? Enter into his word. Receive his sacrament. Number three, that we as the church are privileged to be agents of those things. To be carriers and bearers of the very presence of Jesus Christ. Not just to talk about Him, but to bring Him. I am honored to stand at the altar and bring Him to you week after week. I'm charged to stand at the pulpit and bring Him to you week to week. But that's not just the job of the priest. It's your job, too, as ambassadors of Christ, not to be at the altar, although you, too, bring the intercessions of the people before the altar, but to speak and bring the presence of Christ to people, to invite them to the table, to invite them into a study of God's Word, to see Jesus personally for who He is. That's a profound Thing to do, dear friends. That's a profound charge, and we're hopeless in doing it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice that in Acts? Be baptized that you might receive the Holy Spirit. Why is it, friends, that we read Scripture every day? Why is it that we go through the Gospel sequence once every three years? Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, with John sprinkled in there. Why is it that we study the Bible and Bible studies? Are we really that stupid? Why do I say that? Because if it's only about knowledge, you're really stupid. 
and I'm really stupid. If it's only about knowing about Jesus, what's the point of that? No, why do we do those things? Not for reading comprehension alone, but because in the Scriptures, our hearts too burn with the presence of Jesus Christ when we read them, when we mark them, when we inwardly digest them. They are a way of grace in which He brings Himself to us. It's like watching your favorite story or your favorite movie with your best friend, except that best friend is Jesus Christ Himself. And the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion are just as important. Once those, the one happens only once, where Christ comes into you in the Holy Spirit, but the second happens week after week, or even more often if you want, to come to the altar and to receive the very presence of Jesus Christ in Holy Communion in the breaking of the bread, to see Him again and again and again and anew. Again, if it was only about eating the bread and drinking the wine, you've got a really bad palate, because those wafers don't taste real good, and that wine is definitely not the best vintage. But it's so much more than that, isn't it? I see nodding, yes. So much more than just the bread and the wine. It's the real presence of Jesus Christ himself. It's our personal encounter of the cosmic events of his death and resurrection. Together in word and sacrament, the very presence of Jesus comes to you and me. Jesus comes to you and me, and he doesn't come to you and me and just say, hey, know about me. Learn these things about me. Memorize these rules. Learn this philosophy. Go through these actions. Do these rituals. No, he comes to you and me personally, mystically, by the Holy Spirit, and he steps personally into your life just as he stepped into the lives of those disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he says, hear my voice. Let your hearts be warmed and transformed. Take this body, my body, and eat it. Take this blood, my blood, and drink it, all of you. The risen Lord comes to us not as merely a historical fact that changed all history, though that would be enough. He comes to us in presence, and in power. The challenge today for you and I is how do we respond? How do we respond to his personal presence? How do we respond to that power offered to us in him? Do we want more? Do we want to be transformed? Do we want to be changed? Do we want to follow in his example as we prayed in our opening collect? I hope so. Will we meet him in word and read him, read of him and read with him and read him in the living word of Scripture? Will we receive him again and again, even though we quote unquote know all the stuff? Boy, I hope so. For if not, you're missing the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he desires to be present in you and you in Him, now, today, and forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you come to us in word and sacrament. We give you thanks, Lord, that you rose from the dead and we can celebrate 
that because we've encountered you personally. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to enliven our hearts, pour your Holy Spirit into us, that we might never grow hardened or see these things as empty or old hat, but be refreshed by you continually as you walk with us through our daily lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.